This is 105.9 The Region with your stories. The good news in our neighborhoods, our cities, our country, and beyond. This is Good to Hear. Hey, what's going on? It's Shaliza Zabakis, and you're listening to Good to Hear and our next story that is good to hear. We are celebrating local music with the Vaughn International Music Festival. That's happening today, Saturday, June 11th. And she's a star from right here in Vaughn, Roberta Battaglia. Of course, we remember your performance on America's Got Talent. And flash forward, you're still doing big things. How's it going? Yes, everything's going very well. Uh, The month of June will be very busy for us. And uh, we're hoping to get back to our regular life in some way. And uh, we're doing really well. The gigs are starting back up again, and June 11th is a part of our busy schedule, and we're very excited to get back up there. (laughs) That is so exciting. And, you know, I was just saying to you off the air, you sound so grown up now. (laughs) Yep, time is passing very, very fast. (laughs) How old were you when you were on America's Got Talent? I was uh, 10 years old when I auditioned, and near the semifinals and the finals, I I had just turned 11 years old. Well, there you go. And now you sound like you're 20. Now I'm 12 and I'm turning 13 in August. Oh, well, happy early birthday. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your performance at uh, the Vaughn Music Festival. It'll be very exciting. I will be performing a few songs and hopefully there will be lots of people there and it'll be full of uh, fun and music and it's it's just amazing. It's going to be so amazing and it's going to be a wonderful night. It does sound like fun. And I always say, like, we often forget the amazing talent we've got right here at home. And you're a great example of that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, uh, Canada sure ha- uh, sure does have some great talent. Uh, Ontario itself, Vaughan, uh, Toronto, all these wonderful places in Canada have so much talent. And I'm so glad that I can be on America's Got Talent to, to recognize that and just uh, keep on carrying that on along my journey. And it's an amazing feeling. Yes, you got to represent Canada on that international stage. For sure. What have you been up to since the show? Since the show, I've just been uh, working on my regular covers, of course, doing my uh, my vocal coaching, uh, trying to get lots of gigs going on. And uh, I will say, I have been writing a few songs. Let's uh, hope that I can release them uh, soon or somehow, eventually, I will. That's also another project that I'm, I'm working on and I'm hoping to accomplish is writing my own music and hopefully just um, starting to make my own music and not just covers because, of course, I'd like to grow my own career as a singer and an artist myself. That's so exciting. You know, once you've got that music out, you give us a call. We've got your back with that. For sure. Amazing. <laughs> Are there any specific genres that you're interested in writing? Honestly, no, not really. I just I, I just love everything. I love everything. <laughs> <laughs> so give me yeah. a little bit of a preview of if you've started working on anything, what the vibes are kind of like. Well, the vibes are kind of like speaking about my past or what's to come in the future or um, kind of just speaking for people on themselves, trying to be a voice for people who have gone through the same things um, of me. And not everything, of course, needs to be a sad past. It could also be a happy past. So um, I'm hinting a lot on this one, but it's going to be really good. It's mostly the uh, popish genre, which I'm rooting, uh, rooting for. So that's that. And I'm very excited for everyone to hear, hopefully, eventually. And, um, yeah, it's going to be one heck of a ride. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. We're so excited for you. So proud of the journey that you've taken. Like I said, you're always representing <laughs> us on that international stage. And are you going to be performing covers uh, at the Vaughn Music Festival? 
Yes, I will be performing covers, and that's only because uh, my own music has not come out yet. So, um, like I said, hopefully we can get we can get cracking. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I mean, we love your covers. You know, we watch your videos all the time. We've been keeping up with you. Trust me. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right, Roberta Battaglia, who, by the way, came fourth in season 15 of America's Got Talent, representing Vaughn, Ontario, on that international stage. She's going to be performing this evening at the Vaughn International Music Festival, taking place at the VMC. It all starts at 6.30. Hope you can attend and give her a listen. Thank you, Roberta. This has definitely been good to hear. Thank you. Good to hear. This is the good news. I'm Christina Lavecchia. And it's definitely good to hear that live music has made its way back to York Region. Next weekend, the Vaughn International Music Festival will showcase music from cultures worldwide and performances from emerging local artists. One of those artists is Lincoln Haggard Ives, a provincially ranked violinist who earned an opportunity to play at Carnegie Hall. To learn more about his performance, Lincoln and his mom Maria will join me shortly. But first, here's a clip of Lincoln performing an original composition. Lincoln, before we discuss your performance next Sunday, I want to catch your listeners up on what you've been up to since we last spoke. At that time, you were ready to head off to New York at Carnegie Hall, but then the pandemic hit, and it's something that has affected music artists in different ways. How have the last two years been for you as a violinist? The last two years for me as a violinist have been uh, kind of difficult. I haven't had that many opportunities to perform in public areas and public events. However, there have been a few very positive, very major uh, performances that I've done over the two years. One of them is my soloist debut with the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, which happened around a month and a half ago. Um, I performed with Jonathan Crowe, who is the concertmaster of the Toronto Symphony Orchestra, and the rest of the Toronto Symphony Orchestra. Um, at Roy Thompson Hall as my reward kind of for winning the Rising Star Award. So that was one of my best performances and that was definitely uh, one of the performances I've enjoyed the most since I've started playing the violin uh, because I got to play with real orchestra and it felt really great. And there was another thing that I got to do, which was I got to collaborate with Wayne Morgan, who is a spoken word artist. So Dwayne Morgan uh, wrote a poem called Embrace Joy, and then I had to compose a piece on the violin that went along to the lyrics of Embrace Joy. So I did that. Uh, it took me a few months, but I got it done. I sent it to Dwayne Morgan, and Dwayne Morgan said that he really liked it and that he's going to be releasing it very soon. And one, one other thing I did was the Mayor's Gala, which was the most recent, and I got to perform for the Mayor of Vaughan, that was supposed to happen, I think, a year ago, but because of COVID, it was also postponed. But that was very fun and very nice as well to, to do. Like you were saying, everything kind of got postponed, and I'm glad that you got the opportunity to get back up on that stage. And Lincoln has another performance coming up right here in York Region. It's at the Vaughn International Music Festival. What can we expect from your set? So I'm going to be playing one of Mozart's sonatas. And I'm also going to be playing a box solo by myself, um, the Largo uh, from the Sonata Number no. 2, 
in F major, I think, or C major. Performing in front of a large audience can be a little scary. Do you ever get nervous at all? Or is there anything you do in particular before heading on stage to kind of combat nerves? Uh, not really. I kind of just take some deep breaths and uh, just kind of get into, I, I call it my zone, uh, which is just a zone where I just am with, I'm one with my violin and just I'm ignoring all my surroundings and all of the things around me and I'm just playing uh, just like, and just playing, just like putting all my, uh, pouring all my emotions and feelings into my violin. Maria, do you get nervous when Lincoln hits the stage or right before he gets on stage? Um, I used to get nervous, but I don't get as nervous anymore. Uh, I think the more that he does it, the better he is able to cope with the nerves. But uh, I always want to, you know, like I'm always anticipating because I know the pieces sort of inside and out. So I know exactly like, yeah. how it should sound. So even if there's, you know, a tiny little slip or, you know, he's not doing like a dynamic correctly or something, any small little thing, like I will notice it. But, um, you know, generally speaking, he's uh, very good at, uh, you know, recovering from any little slip up. So I don't I don't really get that nervous anymore. I'm, I just, uh, you know, I'm used to it now, I guess. And he's done so many performances. So you're a pro at yeah. now, Lincoln, so you're good. <laughs> and yeah. Lincoln uh, started playing the violin around the age of four. Is that something that you sense that piqued his interest naturally? Or is it an instrument that you thought he would enjoy? Like, how did he get into it? Yeah, well, we played music for him, like, a, <laughs> uh, before he was even born, we were playing music. And um, he... He, he was very musical as a child. We picked the violin just because it's a small instrument that uh, is sizable, right? So um, he also plays piano as well, right? Oh. So, But we didn't start him on piano. We started him on the violin just to see uh, how he would cope with it. And because, you know, tiny hands, tiny violin, mm-hmm. it kind of works well. Um, but, uh, yeah, that that's why. And I guess, you know, he did show he never sounded uh, scratchy or... Came or anything like that and I guess it was sort of natural for him mm-hmm. um, and so we just stuck with it. Lincoln last time we spoke it was two years ago you are now a high school student is the violin and music a part of your school life or do you take that time to focus on other subjects and interests you may have? Uh, so yeah the, the violin is my main kind of go-to I do have school of course and I also have swimming. I'm getting my bronze cross, actually. I'm aiming to get my bronze cross for swimming so I can maybe teach and become a lifeguard. Oh. But my, the, but the violin is definitely my main, um, like, is my main extracurricular activity. It's something that's kind of a part of my life now. And it's kind of just, like, a part of me as well, a part of my soul. And, yeah, I just, it's it's something that... I enjoy doing and something that is very natural for me. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And with the school year wrapping up soon, do you have any upcoming plans, any music or projects that you're currently working on? Uh, Well, yeah. So I I want to actually audition for the TSYO, uh, which is the Toronto Symphony Youth Orchestra this September. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's going to be working on that. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, figuring out pieces uh, and, uh, you know, getting his fingers nice and limbered for the audition. But also he is doing um, his harmony. So he's going to be, uh, or the plan is that he's taking his grade nine harmony exam and starting his grade 10 history because he took his grade 10 history already for RCM. So he's going to be taking, uh, he's going to be starting the grade 10 history course. Wow. Lincoln, you are very impressive. I got to say, if anybody hasn't seen Lincoln perform live, you definitely have to take that opportunity. He'll be performing at the Vaughn International Music Festival. And um, do you know what time you'll be performing it? Or is it just um, you're somewhere on the lineup? They said that it, the times could change, but I think it's, they said it's supposed to be around 5 p.m., but they did say that the uh, timing hasn't been finalized yet. For more information, head on over to VaughnInternationalMusicFestival.com. All right, Lincoln and Maria, best of luck. Lincoln, I'm looking forward to your performance on Sunday, June 12th. Thank you very much. Thank you. It was nice talking to you. Good to hear. We'll be right back on 105.9 The Region. Listen live at 1059theregion.com or 105.9 FM. This is 1059 The Region with your stories, the good news in our neighborhoods, our cities, our country, and beyond. This is good to hear. There is a new book out called York Region Police, 50 Years of Excellence in Policing, and it really is 50 Years of Excellence in the Region. To talk more about it, thrilled to speak to the author, who's also the Strategic Communications Specialist with YRP, Billy Cordes. Billy, how are you? I'm very well. How are you, Jim? Good. This is, I mean, sometimes it's a nice reminder to realize how long York Regional Police have been around. As you were culminating all the information, pull this together, uh, even you must have been impressed by just the depth of knowledge and the breadth of experience from York Regional Police the last five decades. Oh, certainly, and I mean, it was uh, it was even even more interesting to speak to people that were around uh, before the amalgamation to see how kind of it came to be in 1971 and 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 how far it's come. Uh, there really is uh, there really is a wealth of experience in the organization, and it was uh, it was uh, I felt privileged to uh, to speak to some people that were around uh, for a long time as this organization grew. I, I for, forgive me, I, I don't really know what was the York Regional Police. What was policing in York Region before that amalgamation, and they formed the YRP in, in 1971. Well, I mean, uh, back then, each of uh, the municipalities in the region, um, 14 in total, had a you know most of them had their own uh, self-sufficient uh, police force back then, and, oh. and it they they varied in size. I mean, I mean, some communities like. Um, North Gwillimbury, which is now Keswick, obviously, and, and uh, you know, Woodbridge, the village of Woodbridge, like they had pretty small communities that or small uh, agencies that might consist of just a, a chief and a constable, um, whereas others um, were a little bit more established, but uh, but they all had to come together when uh, when the region amalgamated and and, uh, and the regional government was formed and uh, and that's how uh, that's how YRP came to be. I know, Billy, the term deed speak is something that's near and dear to the men and women of York Regional Police. When did that that model, that slogan start for the YRP? Well, it's uh, it's a little unclear when exactly it started to become the official model of the police service, Um, like um, like many police services uh, in Canada. In uh, in the early 70s, uh, to protect and serve was uh, was the initial yes. model. Yeah. But 
um, the the uh, the actual motto deed speak goes way back um, way back to uh, to the War of 1812 and and uh, the Third Regiment militia that was uh, that was here and and a lot of the uh, the people that served as uh, constables back back then um, were, of course, uh, recruited and enlisted into the war. And um, that local York militia, their motto was was "Deed Speak." So that's where it actually actually comes from. But it didn't start appearing on uh, York Regional Police vehicles and and facilities and whatnot until sometime in in the, the late '70s, early '80s, and then eventually it was adopted as our official motto. Speaking with Billy Cordes, who was the author of a really cool book called York Regional Police, 50 Years of Excellence in Policing, and uh, proceeds being donated to Special Olympics Ontario and United Way, two of the YRP's charities of choice. As you were putting this together and assembling all this information, Billy, were you learning something that you didn't know before? Oh, I've learned plenty that I didn't know before. Um, You know, I've... I've, um been a member of this organization for eight years, and I do have some ties to the organization. But certainly, uh, certainly, there was there was much to learn that I had I had no idea about, and uh, it was it was really really uh, fascinating to hear some some of the insight from from people that were around before before everything was documented. You know, now it's it's pretty easy to uh, to keep track of an organization's history. Everything's documented in photos and and on social media and on websites and and. And things now are just the, the records are are much more clear. But obviously, back in uh, 50 years ago, that just wasn't the case. So uh, so there was plenty to discover, and and it was uh, it was a really really fascinating process, and uh, I was happy to be part of it. I think Billy, the people who live and work in York Region, like myself, and see just the esteemed professionalism of York Regional Police, their kit, their their canine unit, the Homicide Squad, ETF, take it for granted. But once upon a time, that was all starting from scratch. Yeah, it really was. Policing, uh, policing certainly looked a, a lot different uh, 50 years ago, and 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 that's kind of how we put together this book. We would we would find uh, subject matter experts that were there uh, when those units were built up from scratch. Be it uh, you know the emergency response unit in in 1980 or or the canine unit in in 1989 and 1990. As those as those units that now uh, we kind of take for granted. Um, in our police service, um, you know, came to be. I went and spoke to the the subject matter experts who were around back then, and and hearing what they were, you know, what they were able to accomplish with with a lot less um, back then really is impressive. I, I'm always fascinated too by the the history of the police cruiser, and anytime there's a car show, there's an old police cruiser. I gravitate to it, and in York Regional Police, no different. In the last fifty years, the vehicles that the officers use have changed remarkably. Well, it started off, uh, you know, it was it was a yellow police car, and, yeah. uh, and and the the chief thought, you know, and that was kind of in vogue at the time uh, in 1971, and and the chief thought it would it would really make an impression to see a, a bright. It was called chrome yellow um, <laughs> police vehicles on our streets with kind of curvy type, and it's very 1970s looking for sure. <laughs> looking back at it now, but um, you know, we were one of the first. Um, Police services locally to uh, to flip to uh, you know a, a white and red motif uh, and eventually to a white red and blue motif, but that wasn't as popular at the time. Uh, people thought that a yellow police car, um, you know, it needed to be yellow for the visibility and whatnot. But eventually, uh, with the advent of light bars and 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 other uh, sort of emergency technology, 
um, you know, those, those, those police cars began to look more like what they do now. Um, uh, but yeah, the, uh, seeing the old cruisers, the old pictures of the old cruisers is, was one of my favorite parts about, uh, about this process. I also like Billy that people sometimes see what we see on Netflix and TV, forget that York region police has some very sophisticated equipment to, to find people missing, to find suspects, whether it's air one or some of their thermal imaging, it's, it's cutting edge technology at their disposal. It certainly is. It certainly is. And, and um, you know, there's a lot of trial and error to, to find uh, the correct technology. And, and there's obviously always questions about, uh, about um, how technology will be used and, and how it can be used ethically and, and responsibly and professionally to, um, to help police solve crimes or to find missing people or to make the community safer. Um, you know, and, and in looking back, we were able to see how things like uh, Air 2, our helicopter, or uh, something as simple as radar, you know, how these things kind of at one point were, were kind of foreign concepts and, and now, um, you know, are just uh, staples of, of policing here in this region. It, it must be a real sense of pride from just you personally to see it all come together and how it looks and and the photos and the stories and able to get a Ford written by Eric Jolliffe. And you personally, Billy, how, how satisfied was it when it was finally, the project was finally completed? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, uh, it was, uh, it was a, a passion project for sure. It was something uh, we, we did it off the side of our desk. We still had our, our, our regular duties here in strategic communications. Um, so, uh, but we wanted to do something that wasn't, simply a vanity project we we wanted to honor the organization and and the proud policing heritage but we also wanted to have something tangible that we could uh that we could sell to raise funds for um for some of our charities of choice so um it is very satisfying to see it uh, now i'm i'm still uh I'm, I'm thrilled by by what we've accomplished and and it's uh i've, I've received some really positive feedback about the book from uh, from some of its early customers and hopefully uh hopefully people will agree it's a it's a pretty uh, pretty exciting product well I, billy i think you deserve all the praise that you're receiving york region police 50 years of excellence in policing uh 248 pages proceeds donated to Special Olympics Ontario United Way. Where can people buy this book, get to know the York Regional Police history, and support these great causes? Uh, it's it's uh, available online at yrp.ca slash 50 years. Uh, we, we've got Visa and MasterCard sales on there. We will sell you uh, sell you a book uh, here in person at York Regional Police Headquarters as well, uh, 47 Don Hillock Drive in Aurora uh, on weekdays from 8 to 4. Just, uh, just send an email to yrp50 at yrp.ca if you have any inquiries about the book. Otherwise, uh, yeah, yrp.ca slash 50 years. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, you'll buy a copy and, and uh, support these awesome charities. It really is awesome. Billy, thank you so much for doing this, and a well done and a book that's going to educate a lot of people in the region. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Jim. Send us your good news stories at info at 1059theregion.com. This is good to hear.